say, what up, Long Beach? This week on the pod, we bid adieu to the Long Beach spring football season. We hardly knew ye, and may we never meet again. As always, this show is part of our partnership with the Long Beach Post, and as always, for the562.org, I'm JJ Fiddler. I'm Mike Gardabasio. We've got a really exciting interview with outgoing Wilson football head coach Mark Ziegenhagen, a good friend of ours for a long time. You definitely want to stick around and check that one out. I'm Tyler Hendrickson, and I, I just got to say, it's we almost have hundreds of guests every week because this podcast wouldn't be possible without the support of our subscribers. Preach. So thank you to all of our subscribers, our donors, our uh corporate partners, which we will shout out as we go along, including Long Beach Post. So, uh, you know, this is really a collaborative community effort. We're a nonprofit. We rely on the community. If you want to get involved, as so many others have done, especially recently with all the sports kicking up, head to the562.org, click that support tab. It's going to give you some options on how to support. Our favorite way is clicking subscribe, going to our Patreon page and signing up to be a monthly subscriber. That's the best way to help us out. You can also just retweet us. You know, you can make a one-time donation. See if your if your job does matching gifts. All donations to the five six two are tax deductible because we're a nonprofit. Speaking of collaborative community efforts, it's what it took to get Long Beach football players back on the field this spring. They tried so hard to get them a season and succeeded. No, there wasn't any league champion for sure. No, there wasn't any playoffs for sure. But there was still football. There were still games. Some of that pomp and circumstance started coming back in the later games, like the one at uh, Milliken over the weekend and the one at Cabrillo over the weekend where none of those teams were actually playing. That's how hard it was, right? Lakewood and Wilson play at Milliken. Polly and Milliken play at Cabrillo. Neither of those teams actually play there, but everybody had to come together to make sure that they could find places to play because of so many things that were up in the air. I would just like to say kudos to everybody who made that happen because at the end of the day, and we'll talk to coach Zig about this too. That's what needed to happen. These kids needed to be back outside playing football, being active. I think that's exactly right. And it was a real sort of, you know, it's worth noting that the Moore league was uh, full of coaches who did not like each other, not that long ago. And uh, the spirit of collaboration and people coming together to do this for the kids was really, uh, I think important for all of us to get to see at the end of the, the year that we've all been living in. So you guys were at Cabrillo on Friday watching Polly beat Milliken. The Long Beach Polly Jackrabbits are back, question mark, or are back, exclamation point. What do you guys think? Thanks for writing the name of my column that I'll be doing for next week, Jage. I like that. Back, back, question mark, or back, exclamation point. Um, I would say, and I got hit up by so many people asking that question, um, I don't really like the whole back thing because it's like they're never going to be 1998 2001 poly because uh saint john bosco exists now and corona centennial exists now and like the world is different but i would say they are significantly better uh than they've been and going to be getting better for the next couple of years um i think that talent level next year i kind of expect them to look like those poly teams from 07 to 2012 to be completely honest with you i think they're at that level um, D block. The defense is very nasty. Um, they've got dudes all over the place. And I, I, I think uh, I, I would predict that in four months we'll be revisiting our old should Polly be uh, playing in the more league or is this a waste of everyone's time argument from our first 10 years or so of covering high school football? Because no one uh, of the three teams they played in the more league this year, uh, nobody got a point scored against them. 
Um, I think Tyler and I did the math. They outgained their opponent something like 1,330 yards to like 110 yards. Um, and, uh, and like I said, they're only going to get better. I mean, they're, they're almost guaranteed to be better next year uh, because of the guys they have coming back who will be older. Um, and the, there's some absolute studs on the freshman team, Jermaine Lillet's little brother for one, um, uh, Noodles Kaysen, the running back uh, for another. So, no, I, I think they're – if not back, I'd say they're back dot, dot, dot. How about that? So, secret door number three, they're back ellipses. How about that? <laughs> nice yeah, comment. He's, he's not willing to go that far. He's not, Read he's the not column. Come back to the 562.org next week for the answers to JJ's questions. <laughs> well, what's funny is that we don't have to wait that long. Usually after football season ends, it, you know, obviously for us, it, you know, it usually ends in the playoffs because, you know, we're covering teams uh, in the postseason every year, obviously, but um, we, we don't have to wait until fall ball. I mean, it's just a couple months. So this was the most intense spring season. So all these questions that we're asking, I mean, like you said, Jay, we don't want to do this again, but it is kind of nice to say, all right, let's take a couple months off and then we'll get right back into football, get this web traffic going again, uh, all the excitement, you know, uh, that's certainly one of our more popular uh, sports to cover. Um, it's certainly and, more and, popular than all of our other sports to cover. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> totally. And let's, I mean, let's say like, what are some of the things that we're all looking forward to once we turn the calendar and get into fall ball in just a couple months? I mean, we're, we're getting to see, we, we're going to know these teams so much better than we ever did. So, you know, what are some of the things you guys are looking forward to? Well, uh, number one, and, you know, obviously we're talking to uh, Coach Ziggenhagen today about leaving Wilson, which then leaves Wilson looking for a new head coach. And then all those players who are ready to come back for their seasons in the fall are going to have to do it for a brand new head coach. So I am very curious to see the maturation of quarterback Xander McLaurin. Obviously, we saw an incredible growth from Ryan Petway three years ago and then two years ago. And then last year, just absolutely doing exactly what he wanted to do the whole time and being able to do that under coach Ziggenhagen and coach Houston over there at Wilson. So what happens to Xander McLaurin? Does he keep growing? Cause I've seen him become a better quarterback, a more efficient quarterback, a smarter quarterback. Every time I've covered him, he's also started to run the ball a little bit, which is uh, very exciting. If you're an offensive coordinator, a kid who can definitely throw it a baseball player. And now he's showing uh, the, the footwork in the backfield as well. So what happens to the, the growth of a quarterback when you have to change uh, coaches and possibly change offensive coordinators. It's the Alex Smith situation. Can he continue to go in the right direction while trying to, uh, to learn to deal with a brand new adult? Cause that's what it is, right? Like these adults come in and they have their plans and they have their goals and they have their dreams. I've always thought that the best high school coaches are the ones who put that stuff aside and coach for the kids. I think coach Mark Ziggenhagen is one of those. Uh, and and it, that, that's important. So what happens to the growth of Xander, those other kids who are the class of 2022 and, uh, and what happens to Wilson football? I mean, it's, it's going to be very interesting. And I think it's going to change the way the league looks more than what Polly is going to do. If Polly's cha challenging for the D1 championship, if Polly gets bounced in the first round, that doesn't change the Moore League. That second, third, fourth place teams in the Moore League, that's what changes the Moore League. And that's going to be up to Wilson in the fall. I'm excited uh, to see how Lakewood uh, recovers from what was, you know, frankly, a pretty disappointing spring season. Um, I think I had them personally marked as, as uh, the second place team in the league before uh, behind Polly, um, just based on the depth and what we saw as the talent up front. But, uh, you know, they ended up coming up short uh, in the spring season. Um, we certainly believe that they've got good coaches over there and some talent. So I'm, I'm curious to see 
uh, how Anthony Ianson and, and the rest of that Lakewood team kind of bounces back and, and if they can start moving up the ladder um, from, you know, where they finish this year. Man, if Lakewood baseball keeps getting better and better, they just won a tournament. They start their season actually today. We're recording this on Wednesday. I forgot to timestamp it. Uh, I don't know if he comes back because Anthony Ianson could have a very lucrative future in baseball. He might not be back for that team, which then is also making a very interesting Lancers 2021-2022 season. Tyler, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I kind of want to do a bit of a potpourri uh, grab bag, if you guys don't mind. Uh, Obviously, we didn't get a chance to see the Cabrillo Jaguars and new head coach Shane Gonzalez. So I'm looking forward um, to him having the opportunity to make his stamp on that program. And, you know, having there, they have an extra long offseason having to miss this year and and sort of trying to to build that thing up and and get in the weight room and get their numbers up. Um, I'm also looking forward to seeing um, freshman – well then he will be a sophomore quarterback, uh, Miles Jackson over at Milliken. They've got the little, they'll have the sophomore duo with he and Ryan Pelham. So they should be a lot of fun. Um, you know, we saw what he could do in that scrimmage and certainly looked the part as he's already gotten a handful of uh, division one offers. Um, and also just interested to see if there's any, you know, there's always going to be player movement. This is a condensed sort of uh, there's no real transfer portal, but we know that it's something that's only gotten more and more involved. You know, we, we love to see, you know, area kids, especially, you know, in Long Beach, we will have to see Long Beach kids playing for Long Beach schools, but we know there is always player movement and things going on. And it's a condensed window uh, between the previous season and the current season. So when does that take off? How does that shake out? And how does that change the landscape? Cause let's be honest, a lot of the top players that we've covered at these schools have come from other schools. That's just the way of the world now. And uh, it, it could change things a lot just with the right kids at the right schools can really turn programs around. You're saying John Ross transferring into Jordan made a positive impact on that school. Is that what you're saying? Uh, I'm willing to go on record and say friend of the podcast, John Ross significantly improved <laughs> J-Town and he's not done improving J-Town. Ooh, love that. Make sure you listen to the interview with John Ross on the former episode of What Up Long Beach. Before we get out, I also want to shout out Compton. Compton football was one, has been one of my favorite teams to cover in uh, in 2021. They are just dripping with swagoo, dude. They love putting on that blue and representing for Hub City. So guys like Dion Johnson, Eric Beatrice Barrios, Lorenzo Williams, these are all juniors who were huge parts of that team. They probably should have won that game at Wilson, and then they got the win over Lakewood. Uh, they had some good stuff shown on film at Milliken too, so so much to build on. Callie B, we love the program he runs over there, and I see, I see big things for them coming yeah. up, maybe a couple upsets. Hit the weight room for the rest of the Moore League. Compton is coming out. They're going to be big up front again, and they're going to continue to run that double wing. I also wanted to shout out St. Anthony. Uh, We did get confirmation yesterday that they're going to schedule an entirely local non-league schedule. So we will be seeing a ton of the Saints. Uh, We'll be seeing a ton of the Saints in the fall. Um, We felt like they would have been second, third place team in the Moore League this year. So really continuing to improve that program and very excited to see what they do in the fall as well. I, I, and I talked to uh, athletic director Chris Morrison over there who was telling me about wanting to play local teams. And, uh, you know, I'm going to take him at his word, you know, that he likes the local competition and wants to play the other schools. The, the you know, the cynic in me thinks that he was looking at those gas prices and thinking, why don't we just play local? You know what I mean? We don't have to <laughs> gas up these buses and go three, three hours. You know what I mean? It's, it's tough out here. Smart, smart, smart way to save money, smart way to make sure that you're on the 562.org. Before we get out of here and get into our interview with coach Zagan Hagen, we've talked about this football season for a while now, before it was possible during, and now as we say goodbye to it, but don't listen to us, listen to the kids. 
Listen to the people who actually benefited from this entire experience. So, Mike, you go first. You were able to talk to somebody after the poly game, right? Brian Parham, uh, one of those classic Eastside kids who grew up dreaming about playing for poly, which uh, we got a chance to talk to him about what it meant to have a, a senior season at poly after so many months of thinking that it wouldn't happen. Uh, it means a whole lot to me. Um, I've been wanting to come to poly ever since I was a little kid. I've been going up to their practices, just waiting up there all day. I just love the atmosphere, and it means a lot because – it's my last game with Polly, and I, we just went out with a bang. We had fun tonight, and we dominated. And oh, Wilson, I mean, Milliken always talking trash, so we like <laughs> we like to give it to him. Uh, it was a little bit physical, a little bit chippy. What did you think of? You know, I know you like that kind of a game, so what did you think of the way that stuff played out? Uh, I liked how it was going, but I feel like they was doing a little bit too much, though. They were just trying to get us out of our game and make us make us play bad, but we, we wasn't worried about it. We knew what they was trying to do. We just had to execute we, I, our I, game plan. I feel like you came a gap like the first 10 fucking plays mm-hmm. of the game. What, what are you thinking about every time you get through? Uh, I'm thinking about sacking the quarterback, not getting juked. I got to make sure I keep my containment, <laughs> or when I make the tackle, I'm trying to get the ball out. Um, well, I, I know how much it meant to you guys to have this be a great season for, for Coach Slice. Um, what did he mean to you, and, and how important was it to, you know, have his name on your guys' helmets and play for him? Uh, Coach Slice meant a lot to me. Um, ever since I was, like I said, I came up here as a little kid for my brother's practices and stuff, and he just always took me under his wing and cared for me. He just showed some real love, and that's why I always love Coach Slice. He always looked out for me. And like I said, I was at the Wilson-Lakewood game at Milliken where Nick Timko prime time just had a night dude he wrote one more ride on the back of his back flap on his pads and that's how he went about it dude just balls to the wall did everything he possibly could to get his team that win and had a great time while doing it got super emotional afterwards uh i can't even imagine the emotion that those kids were feeling on that night Uh, for me i cried like an absolute baby after my last high school football game because there was so much going on that i my 18 year old brain couldn't handle it so for these kids to have, being able to handle all of this stuff and then be able to have the wherewithal to give me the quotes like Primetime did on Friday night, just, uh, just absolutely amazing. He caught a touchdown, he threw a touchdown, and had a smile throughout it. Talk to me about the emotions coming in today. What were you feeling today You know, before we even got here? I mean, the entire time going up to it, we were all just sitting there with our team meal and we were all just telling each other how grateful we were to have this season and how how thankful we were just to be able to have another game out here, to be with all these guys we played four years with, and even the guys that transferred in. It's just, I'd really say the best way to describe it was just all love. It was all love going into it, and the entire game was just all love the entire time, picking each other up no matter what happened. And after, like you saw, man, it was like a brotherhood these past four years. These coaches made it better than anybody could ever ask for, and the players, man, I, I never met nobody like them before. The best people I'd ever met in my entire life. You guys seemed like you were having a blast tonight. Every, everything was up, right? Like yeah. you just said, everybody was picking each other up. You guys were just full of smiles. Like that's what this whole season was supposed to be. Exactly, and I, I really think that everybody did a great job. I think that the school district did a great job organizing all these games and making sure that we could still come out here and have our senior season because it really, it really meant so much to all of us. And like you said, we were all so happy to be out here. It was just all love, Every, everybody, the other team, our team, we were all out there asking each other, like, is this your last year, man? If it is, I want, I want to be able to see you next year. I want to see you at the college level doing something. Let me know your name. Let me know what number you're going to pick up. We all want to see each other succeed. And I think that was the biggest difference from this year than any other year everybody was on the same team everybody wanted to see each other succeed so 
get a chance to throw the ball tonight. Little thro- <laughs> literal throwback. <laughs> what, what, when did that get put in the playbook? Was that you just waiting all season for that thing? All season. We, we put that in week one, and we were planning to run it again against Milliken, but we never really got the chance. And Coach just told me, he's like, I want to see you throw a touchdown pass to Michael one more time, just like freshman year. And we got it done today, and it made me so happy, man, so happy. Michael, I've never seen him smile like that before. Are you kidding me? He's usually a pretty stern, like, strict guy, but he was was having a blast today. I've never seen everybody like this, coaching staff and teams together. I was going to say thank you so much for coming out here and giving us the opportunity to let everybody know how great it is to play football and be out here with all these guys. Thank you so much, JJ. Dude, it's absolutely our pleasure, man. Obviously, you continue to see great news regarding COVID-19 cases around Southern California, which means that we're starting to get some of our privileges back, guys. We're, we're coming off punishment. I'm excited to be back outside, being able to do some of the stuff we love to do. One of the things all three of us love is going down to Naples Rib Company for the best barbecue in town. They have a lot of competition, but their ribs don't. I'm excited to start getting to use some actual catchphrases for Naples Rib Company again, not just updates on where you're allowed to eat. Because we all know at this point, you're able to go and eat indoors down on Naples Island for the best dinner in town. Go support the people who support us and the rest of the city. And tell Dave Ursini and the rest of our friends at Naples Rib Company that the 562 sent you. We now welcome on our special guest for the week. He is the former Wilson football coach living a free life right now. Coming to us via his other job. It's Mark Ziggenhagen. How you doing, coach? I'm great, guys. I'm great. A little mixed emotions. You know, I, I miss these uh, these interviews. I'm going to miss these interviews and podcasts, and uh, but it's been a great run, that's for sure. Well, you're not you're not retiring from being our friend, are you? I mean, we can still hang out and shoot the, oh, no. the bleep fact, about I football. Might, okay. <laughs> I might grab my video camera and start working for you. <laughs> Ow. I like it. That's hey, we pay better than the uh, we pay better than it it does to be a high school coach. So I I feel good about that. I think we can get you. Well, (laughs) as long as it's more than seven cents an hour, I'm in. (laughs) Well, you certainly left your market, Wilson. We mentioned it earlier. Um, You know, the seven wins a year is the best they've seen in your tenure there. Obviously, you had two different stints with the Bruins. So, like you said. It was mixed emotions. You know, what was it like telling the football team that you weren't going to be back next year for the fall? Well, I, I mean, I, I kind of knew, obviously, going in Friday. Um, you know, it's been something I've been pondering uh, for a little while, but there was some shock, a little bit of shock, and some guys were uh, thankful. A lot of guys were thankful. A lot of, you know, a lot of bro hugs, a lot of um, thank yous and appreciation. So it was tough telling them. You know, you get a little emotional. I, I told the coaches – after the game Friday night and some kind of news got real emotional. And you know, these are guys that you, you're around a lot. You're uh, new friends and, uh, you know, well, you meet their wives and their girlfriends and they just kind of all become a secondary family to you. Um, you know, along with the kids, you know, I've always joked for years, they're all my redheaded stepchildren. And, um, you know, I just, I've got a response. You know, as a head coach, you got a responsibility for all those guys. So uh, it's going to be missed, well missed for sure. And, uh, you know, I've been – a lot of people have been – you know, it's been a whirlwind of uh, calls and texts and social posts. And, uh, you know, it's so many people have reached out to me one way or another. And it's been awesome, you know, especially kids from 10 years ago when I was in the program. 
program. And, uh, you know, I've always said that's kind of what makes you a coach, how the kids turn out uh, 10 years later versus the W's are important, obviously, but that's, you know, that's what you live for, for these kids to have a life after high school. Well, and, and you mentioned the W's and, you know, obviously it was, it was great for you to be able to, to go out on a win. Were, were you thinking about it during the Lakewood game at all uh, entering into your mind? Like, oh, this is the last ride. I hope we can kind of celebrate with a, with a victory. Or did you kind of wait until the end and, and try to soak it in in any special way to kind of, you know, go out on that high note? Yeah. Going into the game um, before the, you know, we played the game. My wife goes, hey, you know what win this will be? This will be win 44. And ironically, that was my uh, high school and college number. Uh, that was my son's number, obviously, at Wilson. Um, all my kids have worn 44. I don't know why kids do that. They want to wear what your dad wears. But uh, no, 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 no. Let, let me let me let me stop you there. Kids who look up to their dad want to do that. Not all kids want to do that. Uh, <laughs> It was so I'm like, my wife's like, this is maybe something, you know, that was meant to be, you know, and, um, you know, obviously there's like four or five other wins I can probably think back that I probably should have had. But um, it was nice to actually win that last game and, you know, something I never experienced because obviously we always made the playoffs and if we didn't go all the way, we never won our last game. And uh, for the seniors, it was awesome because they won their last game and um, usually – I, you know, I always do that senior tunnel at the last game. And uh, usually there's a lot of crying and emotion, especially for the loss. But uh, with the win, it just made it a little bit sweeter for these guys on a, uh, on a short season. Coach, you and I talked before the season, probably like in October or November, and you were rightfully concerned with coming back, the speed in which people were going to come back, what that was going to look like, obviously the COVID-19 concerns, and then also the health concerns for the kids. And then after that game last Friday, you told me now looking back on it, you're just so happy that those kids got a season. Can you talk a little bit more about that and how much that meant to them to be out there with their boys? I guess I was more concerned as a father um, the beginning of the season because if for my son, um, what would I do? What would I let my kid play? Would I let him uh, go out there with two weeks of practice and are they going to be in football shape? And then, you know, and, a lot of that, I and I guess I'm thinking a little old school of thinking as far as coaching and playing, because when I played, man, you lifted for six, seven months and you ran for six, seven months. And with the sporadic schedule that we had really since July, I just felt like, man, I'm scared to death. I'm scared to death that kids are going to get hurt. I'm scared to death that kids are uh, not going to be in shape and you know, that's what leads to injuries when kids are not in shape. So uh, after the game, I just thought to myself, wow, it's so I'm so glad it all happened because you could see the mental change through the season and through the attitudes and through the mind, you know, just the upbeat personalities were coming out again, you know, the hooping and hollering and where when we were lifting before, it's like, oh, am I going to be able to play? Are we playing? And honestly practices were crappy you know and leading up to that final we got a final date and you know so as coaches we all kind of like well we you know we got to suck it up right we got to do this and um make the best of it and it, it turned out to be a, a good thing for everybody 
Um, Zig, we're gonna, you know, we'll we'll relive the, the glory years a little bit more, but I did want to ask you about sort of the the realities and challenges of being a high school coach in in 2021. Um, you know, you and I we've known each other for a long time. We've got kids about the same age. We've talked about how difficult it is to have any kind of a job, you know, that requires you being out nights and weekends and stuff when you've got kids. But um, you know, Wilson in in their press release about your retirement mentioned. They're looking for a walk-on coach to replace you. It's a $5,600 a year stipend, whatever it is. Um, and that that's what that is to, to do a full-time job basically. Right. I feel yeah. like at the end of your tenure, you really saw from the outpouring of people, the value of what a high school football coach is, especially at a school like Wilson, you, you always, I always felt like if they, if you could have had a job that paid you a living to, to work at Wilson full-time and be the football coach there, you probably would have done that for another 15 or 20 years. Um, no what, doubt. And go, go ahead. Just, can you talk about the, that challenge and, and how hard that is for public schools going forward? You know? Well, I, it was always my goal to be on campus when I got the job. So, you know, I, at the time I uh, was dabbling with job, but I, I made sure I, you know, I've always been kind of a sub on campus. So, my first two years, man, I was religious on campus. I was like, I'm going to be on campus even when I'm not working. I'm going to be on campus when I'm subbing. Um, I just wanted to create that culture that their coach was walking the hallways, that they were seeing me on campus, um, you know, and just being there for them every day. And that's what a high school head coach needs. He, he needs to be on campus. Um, you have 120 plus kids in your program. Um, and you are literally responsible for those kids every day. It's just like a regular teacher. Until the school realized that the value of a head coach, we, um, I always felt they needed to be paid a teacher salary. And I know it's a little extreme, but in all, it's a reality that it's a big value on campus as far as you know, the spirit it brings to the campus, the um, – kids walking around campus when your football team is winning the school's upbeat right it's on fire when you're an 0 and 10 football team people's like hey, hey you know well, look at those guys you know what what are those guys doing here I, I got to a point where I had to get a job and I got a job I got a great job and I think we talked about this way back when when I was working for BSN sports and uh who doesn't what coach wouldn't want to sell sporting goods right and what coach wouldn't love to uh sell to other programs in the area and um and that's what basically i did for two years and as you know the district gave me an ultimatum it was tough because my son was a senior that year and i basically approached logan and i said logan what do you want me to do here's the deal i i either keep coaching or i quit coaching you know i obviously decided to keep my job job at wilson and i gave up my bsn job and it was a hard hard time you know at the time so since then my wife's been you know the bread and butter of the family and she's been supporting us and you know and then it was particularly hard with the pandemic me not being able to work on campus because there's no substitute jobs really um i'd right. maybe get one a week um you know but that pays 160 bucks a day i mean it, it just wasn't doing it so I got two nine-year-old twins now. Obviously, you guys have seen them over the years. Um, we've had them for seven years, and uh, they're getting to an age where I need to be a dad. I really don't. 
I wish I could stay. I, I really do. But, you know, I, I've applied for a CSO job and it's just, there's nothing there. You know, it's just nothing available. Gone are the days where head coaches or any coaches are preferred teachers on campus anymore. And, uh, you know, you kind of mentioned, um, you know, obviously with being able to spend more time with your kids and, and, and that's something that we hear from a lot of coaches that are, you know, kind of looking to, to move on, you know, because it is such a grind and such a time commitment. Um, you know, what are, what are some of the other things you're looking forward to now that such a big chunk of your life is going to be freed up with all this free time? I mean, do, do you got big plans to, uh, to enjoy life after coaching? Well, obviously some family vacations, um, you know, we did a lot of family vacations are canceled. You know, we had a big, obviously spring break uh, vacation this year and we had to cancel that more quality time. I'm going to work on my golf game, you know, just kind of sit back and take a deep breath and relax a little bit. You know, uh, it's been 20 years of my life. You know, I remember listening to a coach, a college coach saying there's two type of wives. There's a football wife and then there's an ex-wife. My wife has been a godsend and she's, been so supportive from day one and um and without her uh, you know all the goals i had set wouldn't have happened so speaking general terms because nobody knows who the next coach of wilson football is going to be what is that person going to have to do to be successful it's a different type of beast over there well you know I, what I mean yeah i mean we don't get the five-star guys right we don't get transfers really per se you know, we've always, and that's what I've loved about my coaching staff. Pretty much six years, probably had one or two, three changes. But uh, I think the continuity of a coaching staff, uh, being on campus, being there a lot uh, is going to be important. You got to build that trust, obviously, with your kids. And if you build that trust from the beginning uh, and, the, and you know that they know that you're going to take a sword for them, um, that, that's going to earn a lot of respect from the kids and I've had a lot of tough love with the kids um, a lot of their backgrounds I'm familiar with because I, I was that kid growing up myself and I was an adopted kid and uh, um, you know I, I didn't have I, I had a wrong path I was going down for sure and I tell them all the time football saved my life and the guy and the men that I've had in my life is my high school coach and all my college coaches, uh, you know, they were father figures to me. So I always tried to be that father figure to the kids where I love them, but I, I was tough on them at the same time. And uh, I tried to give them that accountability and that responsibility and uh, integrity and everything about football is that they're going to have to carry on to life and that and even a job. I told them, you're going to have coaches that you don't like. But guess what? Later in life, you're going to have bosses that you don't like either. You're going to have guys that you don't agree with, but guess what? It's going to pay your bills and it's going to put food on the table. And uh, same thing with coaches. Because I tell them all the time, if you're uncoachable, then you're going to be unemployed later in life. You always got to be coachable. So that's always the culture we always brought to Wilson, my coaches brought it, you know, bought into that. And, and that, that's because of a lot of other coaches that I've either coached for um, or played for. Well, we'll let you get back to your day job now that you've, <laughs> uh, now that you've got one that we can't hold you hostage for. Uh, as people who work in the Long Beach sports community, I, I would like to speak for everybody in saying thank you for everything that you've done, not just at Wilson, but just for everybody in the Long Beach community. Uh, it's important to have strong, like you said, 
smart and uh, aware people in those jobs. And uh, Long Beach was lucky to have you in one for as long as we did. So thank you, coach. We appreciate you. Best of luck in the future. And I'll see you on the golf course. You bet. Thank you, guys. And again, I go back with you guys a long time, 07, when you guys first started roaming the sidelines. And uh, man, I wish there was some. If I ever win the lottery, man, I'm definitely uh, floating <laughs> money your way. If you win the lottery, we, we get the 562 funded forever and a Long Beach State football team in that order, right? <laughs> you bet. You bet. Thanks again to Coach Ziggenhagen for joining us on the pod. A farewell pod for him. Great friend uh, to all of us. We also want to thank our friends at Ocean Law Center for their support of local sports coverage. Visit OceanLawCenter.com for a list of services they provide. Thank you to Ocean Law Center for your continued support. If you've been on our social media channels, you've seen that we've been all over town and football is not the only thing we covered last week. In fact, we covered basically everything. It was a, kind of a nonstop action. One of uh, JJ and I's favorite things to do every year, we got a chance to check out that Wilson Polly swim meet. Uh, huge event on the calendar every year and uh, was actually scheduled for the day that the COVID-19 closures began in Long Beach. So definitely a full circle moment uh, to go out and get to cover that. Wilson swim coach Eric Berg kind of peeled back the curtain for us on, on what it means to that community to be able to come together for these competitions. And they've also got a real special talent, one of the best athletes anywhere in the city and Hank Rivers, a junior swimmer who's going to put his name on a lot of records at Wilson uh, and Coach Berg got a chance to talk about how special Hank is and what it means to them to have a, a, a kid like that swimming for the Bruins. And, you know, how happy are you with the win and, and the way your guys swam, you know, coming out, obviously, with sort of the big emotional meet right at the start of the season? Right. Um, to be honest with you, it, it, I, I've been nervous for weeks because, you know, we haven't had a competition in over 13 months it's been i mean it's been over this is our first this is our first meet i had no times on these kids these these freshmen and, and a lot of the sophomores have no didn't know anything of what they were getting into you know a lot of these older kids have grown and matured and you know and we've been and, and as we said earlier you know just the the patchwork of training schedules you know i have had no consistency and we're just we're just trying to find find ourselves and you know eddie is such a, a great coach with these kids and 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 polly oh, i mean it's wilson it's wilson polly right it's wilson polly it's long beach sports that it's finest yeah. it's it's awesome and to to have this intensity and this excitement at the beginning of the season uh is special so i i was uh internalizing a lot of anxiety <laughs> <laughs> over I, you know doing lineups and doing things and and having swim offs and just seeing what the kids were going to do but you know bottom line is the, the, these kids just wanted to compete they were so hungry just to just to race and 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 I, I'm just really excited about Polly's future I mean wow um, they have a they have a lot of great talented kids. It's really exciting to watch. Um, you guys have uh, obviously you know one of the top talents in any sport in the city uh, in Hank Rivers, who I think collected a pair of school records today and and sort of broke down his his to do list of school records for us. Um, how special of an athlete is he? And and how much do you want people maybe even if they're not 
swimming fans, how much do you want people in Long Beach to know how special of a kid he is? You know, to 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 be to be a fantastic athlete obviously is 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 very special. But when you when you include it with you know just character and uh, and intelligence and humility, I mean he's the full package. He really you you look at his demeanor um he's got a smile he's got a positive attitude he's so and he's so within himself um he's very very in tune with his family he loves his teammates he loves to be with the boys and uh and it's contagious and to have someone so with in control and of of himself with his talent it makes the other guys just see how realistic it is that just training and hard work because you know we do know that you come in as a as a superstar athlete you know you kind of satellite you know you just kind of hover above everybody and and people can you know take you or leave you you know at superstars can be dime a dozen sometimes you know flash in the pans but you know guys like this um it's just people want to be people want to be around him and it's a real pleasure to have him in the program love Bergie, love that event love the fact that during that first relay we heard a roar and i know that sounds weird like oh a roar at a swim meet yeah for sure i'm sure it was loud compared to everything else that we've heard yeah it was loud it was like a wall of noise as that last relay finished uh, on the boys side and we absolutely loved it you can check out the video and hear the roar and check out mike's uh, report on both the boys and girls responses like he said we cover everything, man. That's, it's what we do at the 562.org and the Long Beach Post. Everybody gets love because everybody deserves it. And we just work in the best city to do exactly that. So thank you to everybody who has helped put this show, those websites, and all the coverage together. We will see you in the stands very soon, Long Beach. Take care.